Amen. So we're going to um, finish our series in Philippians this morning. Um, we, I, I did a bit of a cheeky thing and I, I, I swapped with Simon. We did a swap. So technically Simon finished last week, but I, I kind of jumped back a bit. Um, so we're going to be reading out Philippians chapter 4. Um, and the theme of my talk this morning is about winning the battle of your mind. Winning the battle in your head. Uh, now, I don't know how many of you play golf. Anyone play golf? I know Mark plays a bit of golf. Anyone played a bit of golf? Right? Yeah? All right? Now, I consider myself to be uh, uh, an amateur golfer in the extreme, right? Which basically involves me doing about one or two rounds every year, right? Uh, so I'm not very good because I don't play very often. But golf is one of those sports, if you've ever played golf, right, where you feel like, yeah, you could be amazing if it had just gone one inch to the left, yeah? Right. Also, if it had just done that, it would have been different. And one day I was out playing golf with some friends of mine. Uh, and surprisingly for me, I'd got to the 50, there's 18 holes in golf. I got to the 15th hole. And amazingly, even though they're better than me by a long way, I was in the lead. Right. And I'd managed to just kind of chip it down the fairway. I'm not very good, but I've managed to keep it straight. And I got to the 15th tee and I, I hit the ball off the tee and it, it, it went down and it landed like in the light rough. Not a disaster, but just in the light rough. And, and I had to kind of hit it up a hill onto a green. Now, I was all ready and I was... Um, ready to take the shot and I was just you know ready to sit and just as I was about to take the shot this little thought entered my head you're gonna mess this up right which is the worst thing that happens when you're in golf right okay you're gonna mess this up and I thought no 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 I've got a message just concentrate swing back just hit through the ball it'll be fine right and and there it is again do a couple of practice swings you're really gonna mess this up you know if you mess this up the whole round's gonna go down the drain yeah and I'm just like no no I've got and you keep going and, and eventually you know this little thought starts to kind of dig into your brain, doesn't it? And you're like, right, just concentrate. And eventually, what do you end up doing? You end up hitting the ball, and hit it way too hard, and it sailed over the green into this kind of what can only be described as an Amazon jungle, right? With little animals that surely are there to just like grab your ball the moment it lands. Uh, and, and that whole round was, you know, I took, I took about 10 shots on that hole, and my wonderful round of golf just disappeared. Yeah, and I went from being the, the, the winner to being kind of the loser. You know, but all great men and all great sportsmen and women understand that really it's not necessarily the fittest or the most talented uh, or the most committed even that win. Often it's the ones that have the most mental toughness. Anyone love, anyone love tennis? Anyone love tennis? Yeah, I always think like Rafa Nadal is the example of mental toughness. He just never, ever, ever gives up, does he? He never thinks that the point is beyond him. He just keeps on going. Just when you think you've beaten him, he just hits it back again. Right? And, and the thing is, is that, you know, we have to realise that, Christ, that our Christian life is much like that. It isn't, it isn't just about, you know, trying to be spiritual and come to church. But if we're going to move on in the Lord, what we think and the way that we think is really important to our spiritual development. Uh, Oswald Chambers said, never run away with the idea that it does not matter much what we think or believe. It does. What we think and believe we are. Is this, is this echoing a bit? Um, so I want us to read the scripture uh, that's the focus of our uh, attention this morning and it's Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9. Not a long passage this morning, uh, we really specifically picked this out because we wanted to, I wanted to talk about uh, this subject. Have we lost it all together now? There we are, okay. So it says this, finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, 
If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And read verse 8 again. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And I want to, if you'll allow me, kind of give some context before I really look at that particular piece of scripture towards the end. Um, and, and I want to tell you this, right, that it is it's a really simple truth this morning. You can't have a positive life and a negative mind. You can't have a positive life and a negative mind. It doesn't work. It doesn't work like that, you see. For Paul, what Paul understood, and he mentions it not just in this passage, but repeatedly in several other places across the New Testament, is that really that, that your thinking and your living are very closely linked. Right? And Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to the world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so you have to realise this morning that there is a battle going on inside your head for your, your spiritual growth in God. There is a battle going on in your head. And often the first thing is just to realise that that's where the battle is. Right? It's not just in what we do, it's in, in the way that we think. And in, our, in this kind of battle for our mind, there are basically two, I think there are two enemies, there are two people that are fighting against us. The first is ourselves, our sinfulness, our laziness, our selfishness. All of those things are going on inside of our head. That's part of being human. But the other thing we have is we have another enemy who is the devil, right? Uh, and he uses our weaknesses to exploit us, to draw us away from God and to bring us into a position of spiritual defeat. But what do we know about the devil? What do we know about him? The Bible says, Jesus says, in fact, that he is a liar. He is the father of lies. He is the one that lies more than anybody else. He lies to you and me. He tells us things about ourselves and about other people and about circumstances that are just not true. He is a liar, right? Uh, and the thing about great liars, right, is they don't necessarily tell one big great lie all at the beginning, do they? Right? If you want to really deceive someone, what you do is you tell little lies consistently over time and eventually you kind of uh, will enable someone to just think completely differently and the thing about the devil is what the devil has he has patience he's happy to steadily take us away from God bit by bit right by feeding us things that just are insecurities that play on our weaknesses that play on our fears and this morning we need to recognize that if we are to move on in God that we need to realize that there's a battle going on in our heads you see, our battle isn't just against our emotions. I think a lot of people think that really what we've got to do is try and get control of the way we feel. But what we need to understand is that much like anyone a gardener here, you enjoy a bit of gardening. If you enjoy gardening, you know that if you, you cut a weed off at the top, what happens quite quickly? It grows back up again. Actually, get me a glass of water in that. Um, 
it grows back up again. And that's much like trying to deal with our emotions. If we try and get our emotions under control all the time, in the end, you're not really dealing with the problem. And in fact, actually, what we do is we try and medicate for our emotions. I know I do, and I'm feeling bad, right? What do I do? Uh, I will, like, go and eat stuff out of the cupboard, right? That's, you know, I just, I have a great love of eating, right? Or I'll just sit and watch TV to take my mind off it, right? Or I'll go and do some retail therapy, yeah? Like nothing like a new pair of shoes, yeah? Right? No, not really, but yeah. But in a sense, the trouble is, is if all we're trying to do is manage the way we feel and we don't recognise that there's a battle going on in our minds, in the end, we're not going to make any progress because we're just trying to deal with the outcome rather than the cause. And so this morning, I want us to think and, and try and understand a little bit about how, how our minds work. So if we're going to win a battle of the mind, the first thing you need to under do is understand the battleground. Understand how your mind works, how these things operate, because you can't sort of win a war if you don't know the territory you're working in. Now, there's been lots and lots of scientific studies into the mind and into the brain, um, but what's amazing is that the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, with no science, kind of got it right. Yeah, he kind of understood things that science has later explained to us, right? So, I don't know if you know this, right, but your brain is a bit like plasticine, right? A bit like plasticine, it's got this thing called plasticity, right, and flexibility. Right? And, what, and that's why children right, learn so things so quickly. Like you can teach children multiple languages really young, but much later on, it's harder to teach languages because when you're young, your brain is very uh, like plasticky and it can be formed and shaped, but the older you get, the more difficult that becomes. Because what happens is by the time that we get to 25, right, according to the research, our brain... Someone's nodding, which is good, because right, I'm not a scientist, right, so I'm just taking this from what I've read. Yeah, is that your brain develops what's called neural pathways, right? Things that just kind of speed up our lives because they just we follow the same pathways, the same routes, and we think the same way. And it's a bit like if you, I, I like kind of going for walks in the woods, quite like prayer walking. And, and when you walk around the woods, most of the time, what you do is you follow the path, don't you? Right? It's been well worn the path, it's flat, it's easy to walk down the path. But if you try to come off the path, and go a different route. Have you ever tried to walk it like, you know, you're walking through sort of grass and bushes and trees, and it's quite difficult to make a new path, right? You have to kind of, but if I was to take that, if I was to walk through the, the undergrowth and I was to do that every day for a year, by the end of the year, what would happen is there would be a well-worn path. There'd be a new path, yeah? And really these pathways in our heads, in our brains, are what you would also call habits. Right? So they become habits. We do things in the same way. I don't know about you, but we are creatures of habit. We do things. Now, I, I know that Mark, for example, right, is able to drive the car and sing along to Taylor Swift all at the same time. Right? Quite, complex, uh, quite complex things to do at the same time. But what your brain has done is your brain has essentially done this thing apparently called chunking, where it takes lots of actions and it chunks them together because you can't really get through life if you're having to think about every single thing you're doing. So your brain creates kind of habits that enable you to get through life quickly and easily. But here's the problem. What happens if the habits that we've developed are not leading us towards God, but leading us away from God? Why is it so often that when we get into a situation where something goes wrong, our response is the opposite direction to God? And we know that we should go in this direction, but our just natural response, we're under pressure, we just go down this road. 
It's because in our, in our minds, um, uh, there's a, a wonderful uh, scholar that I say, and I said he's a wonderful scholar, I just love his name. I've not read any of his stuff, apart from this one quote, which I thought was brilliant. His name is Douglas Moo, right? What a great name, Douglas Moo. And he said, our minds, naturally speaking, are stuck in a rut. It's a pattern of thinking that is antagonistic or against the will of God. And successful Christian living depends on getting out of that rut and establishing another one that is characterised by biblical values and ways of thinking. Yeah? And so we need to realise that our brains are in ruts. It's just the way we are. We, just, we all have them, right? It's not wrong to have those things. But the question is, is, are our default responses leading us towards God, following that pattern, or have over time because of things, mistakes we've made or situations we've been in or where we've grown up or what we've experienced, ultimately those little patterns, when we get under pressure, we just go down that route, but it's taken us away from God. And this is the thing that Paul understood when he talks about the transforming, the, re- the renewing of your mind. God needs to renew our minds. He needs to reshape those habits, reshape those new pathways. And the great thing is, is that you can relearn the way that we do things. But that's the thing. If we're going to win the battle, we need to understand that. Oh, I've got my PowerPoint. Is it working? Oh, there we are. Right. There's my path. Look. There's Douglas. Where is he? Look, there's Douglas. (coughs) So... Uh, how many of you have heard of a guy called Selwyn Hughes? Anyone heard of a guy called Selwyn Hughes? He's died now, but he was a really godly man, and he was a Christian counsellor, okay, as well as writing lots of books, and he wrote this kind of day, daily living book, which a lot of you probably have seen. And he was a Christian counsellor, and he used to talk about his model of ABC, right? Event, belief, and action. And, and this is a bit like the, the pathways, right? Okay, so you have a, an event that happens in your life, right? You walk past Costa this week and you see your two besties, right? Okay, so Lauren walks past Costa and she sees Connor and Caitlin having a coffee and they haven't invited her. They haven't even told her they're going for a coffee, but there's these two people having a coffee. It's an event, right? Now, what happens is you immediately have some underlying beliefs, right? Uh, and your belief could be, oh, well, clearly I'm not that valuable. Right? Maybe they don't like me very much. Maybe Lauren doesn't think like that because she just, yeah, right? But why haven't I been invited? Maybe they're rejecting me. Maybe they're talking about me behind my back. Maybe they deliberately met up to talk about how awful I am and how difficult I am. And they're just, you know, anyone, have you ever been in that situation? Yeah, when, when you see something, something happens in your life and you just start thinking really negative things, don't you? Right? And, and what happens is that leads to see an action or an emotion, right? You respond with an emotion or an action, right? So in, in what happens is we, we kind of think, well, you know, we see this event, we have these beliefs, and it leads then to either negative emotions or negative actions. You do stupid things, and you start behaving poorly. You make mistakes, and you get into these kind of negative uh, responses. And, and there's lots of them. Oh, where do I go? You know, it could be that, you know, we just go into denial or we displace it. A displacement's a big one, isn't it? You're angry at a situation, but instead of focusing it on the situation, you focus it on someone else. Yeah? I know as a wife, husband, that can easily be done. You're actually, you're angry about the argument you had at work, but you walk through the door and you're shouting at somebody else and you've displaced it, haven't you? Maybe you're dishonest, you start lying, or you go into fantasy. You're living in a, just a, in a dream world. You don't deal with reality. Yeah? Because we've gone through this process, we've got an event, a belief, and an action. It's those same old habits, those same old pathways. But what Selwyn Hughes said is that 
what we need to do is we need to think about D and then E. Basically what he says is that you need a new belief, an override, what he called a disputing belief. So when that first belief comes into your head, you override it with a new belief. A belief which says, do you know what, when Lauren's in that situation and she sees those two, she says, do you know what, even if they are getting together to talk about me, I'm loved by God. God values me. I'm important because God loves me. And they're probably not talking about me. And suddenly that changes, isn't it? When you have a disputing belief, it creates a different response. Right? It creates a different way of thinking. Right? And it's understanding that we need to win this. If we don't win it here, we'll end up keep going on the same old routes. And God wants us to establish new patterns in our life. When I um, started... I work in schools uh, in my other job, and I'm a, uh, my primary job is really helping um, school leaders understand what they should do with technology. Right? And I work in IT, and what you discover about IT, basically, is that the bigger the project, the more stuff goes wrong. Right? Essentially, IT goes wrong, because basically it's complicated, right? uh, and so stuff can go wrong often. Uh, not only is it complicated, but there's generally lots of people involved, and as we know, people make mistakes, right? And what often happens is that something hasn't worked, right, or something hasn't been delivered how we said it was going to be delivered, or on the time scale that we said it delivered, and what happens in that situation? Anyone ever been in that situation? What happens? People start to blame each other, don't they, right? And I don't know about you, but our, in our organisation, what you get is passive-aggressive emails, right? Passive-aggressive emails, like, this has not been done on time, and I was clear that this needed to be done by this particular time, right? And, and it's, you know, I made sure that I communicated all the relevant information to all the relevant people, which is their way of basically saying, it's your fault, right? Now, in that situation, when I started, I used to get so wound up, right? Because my underlying belief was, that means that I must, what they're doing is, is they're going to think I'm incompetent. They're going to think that I'm not very good at my job. They're going to think that I am, um, you know, uh, lazy or I'm all of those things. And so I would react. And what would happen, I remember the worst situation, was I was having an argument with, with a consultant at two o'clock in the morning via email. And my boss got in at the, in the morning. It was Simon Beamish who was my boss, actually, at the time. And, um, uh, and he said to me, why on earth were you writing emails at two o'clock in the morning? He's like, let it go. Because what had happened is that I used to get so wound up because this event had happened and I had this belief and my belief was I have to prove my competency. And so it created all these negative reactions the moment anyone challenged that. But what I discovered is actually, and this is something that God's worked out in me, do you know what? It's not that I'm amazing at my job, by the way. That's not the, yeah. But I've realised that, do you know what? I've just got to do the best that I can do. And sometimes I'm going to make mistakes and if I make a mistake, I hold my hands up and say I made a mistake. I don't have to try and defend myself. But equally, um, it doesn't matter if people think it's my fault. Why does that matter? It doesn't matter, right? In the end, I've just got to be who I am and be honest and be upright. And do you know what that's meant now? Is that you get these passive-aggressive emails, and all I do is I just either write, oh, yeah, great, we, need to, we do need to sort that out. Or I'll just respond, or I won't even respond at all, because I don't need to. It's created, I've, I've had to, and it's taken, and you know, it's something so difficult, you get this email, and you get this urge, someone sent me an email, um, and, and they, recently, and it was one of the IT technicians in the, in the team, and it said, and literally, they, across to the whole IT team, right, they wrote, yeah, this is Tim Cross's fault, right, uh, literally, it's Tim Cross's fault, it was absolutely not my fault, I hadn't touched this thing for four years, right, okay, literally, but somehow he had thought that it was my thought, and he had, and, and sent it to everyone, and they were all like, aren't you going to respond, aren't you going to respond, I was like, no need to respond. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter if, it, because I, and, and I wasn't even stressed about it, it didn't bother me, I just laughed about it and moved on. Because what I'd done is, in God, I had established a new way of thinking. I was realising that all of this negativity in my life was coming because I wasn't believing what God had said about me. Amen? And there are many of us here that are going over the same old thing again and again and again, and we're going down the same old routes, the same old pathways, and I believe that God, over time, wants to reshape the way that we think and win the battle of our minds so that we can move on in him. If you're going round and round the same old plot again and again and again, the Lord has a message for you this morning. It doesn't have to be like that. But maybe you need to look at the way that you think about things and allow God to challenge you in these areas because this is the thing Satan knows this if he can control the way you think he can control your life if he can control the way you think he can control your life if he can control your beliefs he can control your actions he can make you do stupid stupid things because you believe silly things so how do we go about and this is where I'm going to kind of start getting into the text a little bit more how do we win this battle then so we know what the battle is we understand the, the terms of how that warfare works how do we go about winning it? Well, this is the first point. This is my first point. It's a really big one, this one. Take it in, right? It's going to be deep, really deep, this, right? Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Just because a thought comes into your head doesn't mean it's true, doesn't mean you have to do something about it, doesn't mean it's, it's in any way something you need to think about. Right? Just because it comes into your head, right, doesn't mean you have to believe it, listen to it, or do anything about it. Right? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says this The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Right? Who can understand it? Right? We all have blind spots. I know I have blind spots. We don't stop to think, do we? We fail to notice important details. We jump to conclusions. We get trapped by categories. Uh, we miss the big picture. We see what we want to see. You have to realise the first step to winning the battle of your mind is realising just because something comes into your head doesn't make it true. Doesn't mean that it's true. That's the first thing. The second is this. Guard against garbage. Guard against garbage. Right? It says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 14, it says, A wise person is hungry for truth, while the fool feeds on trash. That's the New Living Translation. The fool feeds on trash. Right? Uh, in, in IT, we have a computer expression, garbage in, garbage out. Right? If you put bad data into a system, what you get is bad results. Right? Yeah? Now, I want to challenge us this morning, right, because we, we can often be very lazy in the air of our minds, we will watch all kinds of rubbish on Netflix. All kinds of absolute filth, and then you wonder why your head is full of filth. Right? You read books which are not healthy for you, and you know they're not healthy for you, but you keep on reading, oh, it's fine. And then you wonder why you struggle with the thought life. You, you spend ages on social media reading all kinds of silly posts that are basically all mostly fake anyway, right? And then you wonder why you're, you're struggling to compare yourself to everybody else, because what you're doing is you've not guarded the front door of your mind. And I want to challenge you this morning, right? Are there things in your life, you're like, I need to stop watching that, pro that programme. I'm going to put my hand up here. I have cancelled my Netflix, my Netflix subscription because I realised that I was watching rubbish. It wasn't necessarily awful rubbish, but I'm like, why am I watching this? Like, how is it adding value? It is just filling my mind with silliness. 
and foolishness. And I want my mind to be fixed on the Lord Jesus. I want to challenge us this morning. Maybe this is a message for you this morning. I want to challenge you. Are you allowing all kinds of junk and rubbish into your head and then wondering, oh, I struggle with really unpure thoughts? Maybe it's just time to stop putting stuff into your head that's not good for you. Guard against garbage. If you want to win the battle of your minds, right? It's Paul says in Romans chapter 8, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's the, first, that's the second thing. So the first thing is don't believe everything you think. Second is guard against garbage. And this is where I want to get to our passage this morning. Don't just reject it. Don't just reject thoughts. Replace them. Right? Don't just reject. Replace. Right? Uh, Paul says at another point, take captive every thought and, make it up, and give it up and make it obey Christ in Corinthians chapter 10. We have to take captive every thought. Have you ever stood on the edge of a cliff? Right? I've done this a couple of times and thought to myself, I really shouldn't jump off that cliff, right? Okay, and you try and stop yourself thinking I shouldn't jump off this cliff, but the same thought keeps coming back again and again until basically you get distracted and you walk off, right? I wasn't going to jump, just to warn you, right? But you know that kind of thought just keeps coming. It's really hard to stop it coming because if you just try and take captive the thought and leave blank space, all that will happen is the same thought will just keep coming back. You have to reject it and say that's not of the Lord. That's a, I'm, I don't believe that. I dispute that belief. I'm going to replace it with a different belief. And this is what we get to our passage, isn't it? And this is what Paul understood. Paul got this. He got it down to a T. He basically said, if you want to take control of your life, if you want to know peace, if you want to know freedom from worry, the key is this. Think upon what is true. Think upon what is honourable. Think upon what is just and what is pure and what is lovely, what is commendable. If there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Don't just say, I'm going to stop thinking about that. Say, what can I think about instead? What can I think about that's going to fill my mind with, with, with the Lord Jesus? What can I fill my mind that speaks of him, that speaks of purity, that speaks of kindness? If you have an impure thought, say, I don't believe it. I'm not going to look at that thing anymore. What I'm going to do is I'm going to think about something pure instead. You reject it and you replace it. And Paul understood that. Paul understood it's no good just simply saying, oh, I'm going to try really hard to get control of my thought life. You have to reshape over time your mind to keep thinking of those things again and again and again. And, you know, there was a scientific study that was done that I read in a magazine um, last night. Um, very good. And basically it said um, there were three groups of people. The first group of people did nothing, nothing at all. The second group of people were told for 15 minutes to exercise their little finger. Right? So exercise their little finger to improve the strength of their little finger. The third group were told just to spend 15 minutes a day thinking about improving the strength of their little finger. Right? So they spent 15 minutes thinking, didn't do anything with their little finger, they just spent time thinking about it. Right? As you would expect, right, the end of the, the first group there was no change, there was no difference. The second group, unsurprisingly, their fingers got stronger. But what was re remarkable was that the group that just thought about it, their fingers actually got stronger. Weird, because it's that sense in which it's clearly there's something that in our minds brings about a change. There's something that where the battle is won, and they understanding in a way what God understood, what God, well, Paul had understood 2,000 years ago, that really, that so much of the Christian life is won and lost in the way that we control the way we think. And if we think upon the things of God. You know, when I, um, I'm, we're great, we, those of you that don't know, our church is quite big into cycling, there's quite a lot of us that are into cycling. Right? And when you start cycling, 
right? You, you start and you don't believe that you can do it, right? You, you, you go up a hill and you think, I'm going to struggle. And if you mentally start by thinking, I'm going to struggle up this hill, shockingly, you struggle up the hill, right? If you think, I'm going to be all over this hill, I can actually nail this hill, I'm going to get to the top of this hill the fastest, unsurprisingly, you get to the top way quicker, right? It's all won and lost in the mind, right? And, and, and it's the same in this, is if you are going to win the battle of your mind, you have to reject what is negative and replace it with what is good. Think on those things that are pure. Think on those things that are good. And if you're struggling this week and you're thinking, this week my life has been full of negative emotions and negative thoughts, I'm telling you, you have to get hold and think about Jesus. And this is the final thing that I want to encourage you to do this morning. Right? Don't, don't believe everything that comes into your head. Guard against garbage. Reject and replace. And this is the final thing. In the end, it's the, it's the secret to the whole Christian life. You've got to get hold of God. You've got to get hold of Jesus. If you try and go out and do this in your own strength, I promise you that you will fail. Right? You'll get out there and be like, I'm going to think positively. Ten seconds later, down you go the old roots again. Yeah? You're going to make the same old mistakes again. I, I, we, we prayed in the prayer meeting, didn't we, on, um, uh, on Monday evening. And, and the word of the Lord came to me, which was really about grappling with the thing for the blessing. Right? Jacob, in the Old Testament, right, has this experience where he meets with God and he wrestles with God and he says, I will not let you go, God, until you bless me. And there's something about the Christian life where we want to sit and wait for God to suddenly change the way that we think. I want to tell you that that's not going to happen. The way that's going to happen is you and I need to get hold of God in prayer every day. We need to get hold of God in the Word. We need to get hold of God by being with other Christians that are going to encourage us. We need to get hold of Jesus. And if we're not doing that, we will have no strength to create new pathways. We will find ourselves just going down the same old thing. You cannot do it in, in the strength of yourself. You can only do it in the strength of the Lord Jesus. There's a, there's a quote that, uh, that I read somewhere. Which said, it said, habits eat willpower for breakfast. Habits eat willpower for breakfast. And the Lord Jesus will enable you to reform a new habit. But you have to say, I'm going to get hold of you, God. I've got to break this. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And maybe for me, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't find prayer very easy, particularly when I'm sat on my own, and particularly if there's loads of kids running around my house, right? At the moment, we're living with Pat and Gemma, right? Because our house is in, a, he's in a, he's a building site. Six kids in the morning, right? When you're on the sofa, right? It's not easy, right? I, I prayer walk. I find that if I get out and walk, I want to encourage you, if that's for you, go and do some walking and pray. So I want to finish this morning by saying that I believe that God wants to move us on in the way that we think. And I, I believe there are people here this morning that have been going the same old routes again and again and again. And I believe that the Lord is saying to you this morning that he wants to renew your mind. And I'd love to pray for you this morning if you know that there's things that you've been thinking, that paths that you've been following that you know that you just need a renewing of your mind. And I'd love to pray for you this morning and ask that God would set you on a new path. But this is it. It's no good just thinking that if you come to the front right, or I pray for you afterwards or whatever it is that somehow your problems are all going to be solved. Because it doesn't work like that. You have to reform a new habit in the Lord Jesus. You have to set yourself, I am going to. And, I'd, and if you want to talk to me more about this afterwards or at some other point, I'm very happy to sit down and talk it through with you. Right? But I want to really encourage you this morning that God wants to take you into something new in himself. And God wants to win the battle of your mind, help you win that battle where what you find is what you're thinking upon is that which is pure, that which is true, that which is lovely, that which is commendable, that which is good. So let's stand, shall we, and pray.
as I pray, I just want to ask, um, ask you just to open your heart to God. And if you know that there's things that you've been thinking about, there's ways that you think, patterns that you think that are just really unhealthy, I want you to bring them before.